It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. This is the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Walter Strohl here alongside Matt Hausman. He is the founder of Old Security Group with offices in Westchester, Pennsylvania and Newark, Delaware, but serving clients all across the country. Find us online at smartmoneyquestions.com. On today's podcast, we are going to answer some of your questions. It's another edition of our mailbag portion of the podcast, where every couple of weeks we take some of your questions and answer them, get direct advice and guidance from Matt Hausman here over the program. But before we dive into your questions for this week, a special announcement. There's a great benefit campaign that Matt and his team are going to be working on over the coming weeks. And uh, tell us a little bit about the piggy bank campaign. Is that, is that the right way to describe it, Matt? Yeah, our piggy bank campaign. So we've been doing this for a number of years now. And what we do is we hand out piggy banks and we ask for clients just to put their change in there. And then we collect them right around Thanksgiving. And then we match whatever the clients put in and we give it to a local charity. And what we did this last year, actually, when we did the grand opening and we had a, a, our Thanksgiving pie giveaway, is we wanted to, we chose about five different local charities, and we wanted our clients to really chime in on the one that they wanted 2018 contributions to go to. And they came back with Meals on Wheels here locally in Westchester. And so we were really excited about that. But then I, got, I was thinking about two weeks ago, I was like, wait a second, instead of just waiting until the end of the year to donate money, why don't we also go out and actually donate our time and go deliver Meals on Wheels? Because it was really interesting. About a month ago, I started, I listened to, when I'm driving in in the morning, I always listen to, what's it called now, Golick and Wingo. I listen to sports radio. Right, right. Uh I would listen to the one on ESPN. And it's like every morning, like for the whole week I heard Meals on Wheels advertisements. And I listened to a show out of Cincinnati to capture that show on iHeartRadio. And I was like, that's a great idea. Why don't we actually look to offer the time? If clients want to join us, you can simply call in and talk to Stephanie. And maybe once a month or once every other month, we actually take a, you know, a lunchtime and go out and look to deliver here Locally, And we're not only going to do it here in Westchester, we're also going to do it down in Wilmington. One of my clients actually works at the local chapter there of Meals on Wheels. So if you're interested and you'd like to come out and donate more than just your change uh, this year, but you'd like to, you know, be able to help and, and go disperse the, the meals out there, just give Stephanie a call or send us an email. And it's just a simple process. They do a quick background check and it's just a, an hour and a half out of the day to go out and do that. I'm really looking forward to and excited to get out there and do more than just stroke a check at the end of the year, but get out there and, and be involved in this particular charity that our clients chose for our piggy bank campaign 2018. And if you would like to reach out to Matt Hausman's team to take part in those activities, you can definitely just call 610 719 3003 and uh, talk to Stephanie about your involvement 6107193003. All right Matt, we've got some great questions and, and that's exciting that you're going to be doing that event by the way. My uh, my grandmother Meals and Wheels is dear to my heart just cuz my grandmother devoted tons of her time 
in retirement to Meals on Wheels. And she was she just got some amazing stories from her time of service and everything that she used to do with that organization. So I'm a big Meals on Wheels fan. I think that's uh, it's a great benefit to the community and glad you guys are supporting them. Some great questions here from a couple of folks throughout the area and uh, even as far south as South Carolina in today's question. But the first one comes to us from Max in Pennsylvania. This is where we answer your questions on the show, by the way. If you want to submit a question to be featured on a future show, you can go to smartmoneyquestions.com. Max's question is, my dad died last month and left a large account of several different stocks. It's more than I anticipated getting from him so I'm not sure how to handle it. Where should I start? Well, first of all, Max, I'm really sorry for your loss uh, happening as soon as last month. But with regards to the account that your dad left you, the first place I would start is make sure you have an understanding on what type of an account it is that you are inheriting. Is it an IRA? Is it an after-tax account? Is it possibly a Roth But that's really important, especially if it's an IRA, to know that you're inheriting it the right way, meaning that you're looking to mitigate any tax issues. If it's an after-tax account and and it was mainly stocks that was held, then you're going to get a step up in basis, and that essentially is going to be no taxation to you. But if it's an IRA, you really want to understand what it is and what's the best way, which would be a non-spousal inherited IRA, and then you can decide if you want to keep those stocks or if you want to spend some of the money, you just want to be aware of any potential tax issues from those monies, which mainly would only be in the form of an IRA and a a non-spousal inherited IRA. So that's the first place I would start. And then the secondary approach or secondary question I would ask is, okay, what do I want to do with this money? How's it going to fit into my plan? I had a client last year that this situation happened and he decided to retire. He's like, you know, I'm done with the rat race. His dad had been sick for a little while and and uh, he inherited this money and he was able to put a good plan in place and utilizing those monies and just decided not to go to work, at le- least not do what he was doing there. Who knows after he's been, you know, golfing and at the beach for a year, if he doesn't change his mind, but at least at where he was working, he was done with that stress. So that's, you just want to sit down. Okay. What do I want this money to be for? What's it going to do for me? What's the best way to, what would my dad want me to do to make sure that I'm a good steward of the money? And so, and maybe he had those conversations with you, but the first thing is look at how's it going to potentially affect me tax wise. And then the second thing is what do I really want this money to do for me? Yep. Hugely important to remember that, but I love how you kind of captured that element of the question there. It's it's not what's the best way I can get the return out of this money. It's what's the best way I can be a good steward of these funds. I think that's critically important to remember to approach financial planning that way, especially for people who already are thinking in those terms, which it sounds to me like, you know, that's what Max is thinking about here. So hugely different way to view financial investing and and planning and that sort of thing. Carly's got a good question for you, Matt. Carly's in South Carolina, says, we don't have a lot saved for retirement, but we do live in a paid off house That's worth probably more than a million dollars. Can the house be our retirement plan? Can we just sell it in a few years and move into something much smaller and use the proceeds to fund a retirement? Well, first of all, Carly, congratulations on having that house paid off. And my my initial gut reaction to that is absolutely. But there's a couple other things that you probably want to think about to see 
if maybe we still shouldn't be saving something between now and when you sell that that house to help fund retirement. And that is, where are you going to move and how much of a downsize financially? So let's just say it's a million dollars is what you actually walk away from. So that's after paying realtors cost and transfer cost, potential capital gains issues. Remember that if you're married, you only have a half a million dollar exemption on gain for your personal property. So maybe there's a capital gain there. But how, what are you going to go down to? Let's say you go down to a $300,000 home and you decide you want to pay cash for it. So on an earlier podcast, I talked about the idea of not having a first mortgage. So maybe you, you want to do that and now you got $700,000. Is that going to be enough to fund your retirement along with any other sources of income like Social Security, maybe a pension? That equation looks a lot different if where you're going to downsize to costs six hundred grand, and now I've only got 400000 so there's a couple other things that you want to think about before just initially, yeah, of course, I'm going to sell it for a million dollars. I'm going to have a million bucks in my pocket, but I still need to live somewhere. And what's that new home going to cost? And how am I going to purchase it? Maybe the only way is to allow that money to be invested and then produce your income. Maybe you have to get a mortgage based on how much you're going to actually buy in that downsizing. So there's a couple other questions that you really want to get solid answers on before you can actually say, you know, the sale of this home is going to fund the retirement. For somebody who's a little younger, Matt, and looking at kind of ways to save for retirement, I mean, it's an interesting strategy, but certainly, I guess, a quote unquote safe one to pile in a bunch of money to pay off your mortgage as fast as possible. I know we had kind of a a similar question on a recent show that was about, you know, paying off a mortgage, you know, at the end of its life, do you try and get out of that mortgage before retirement? But I'm imagining you're not recommending saving into your home as a retirement plan. Like this wouldn't be something that, you know, most people should go about doing it this way. I would agree with that. <laughs> it's not that you can't put extra money towards the the principal every sure. month. But I would not look to sacrifice your other retirement investing options, a la a Roth, or if you have a really good match at your 401k, you obviously want to max that out. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day and they get a 6% match and then the company over and above that puts in an extra three because they don't offer a pension anymore. Well, good golly, that's 9% free money. And I would tell you, especially because mortgages for the last 10, 11, 12 years have been very low in cost on the money, that if you're still 10, 15, 20 years away from retirement, makes a lot more sense to take advantage of those investment options than it does to, quote, free up that cash flow just for to invest in the home. Investing in real estate, this is my opinion, but the numbers will satisfy this, is that over a rolling 30-year period of time, usually doesn't do any more than 35 to 4%. And unless you're going to be in the rental business, which I have clients that do that, and that's a totally different game because you're not looking at market appreciation as the real benefit of a rental. You're looking at the cash flow opportunities that a rental opportunity creates. So on your primary mortgage, I would I would agree with you, Walter. I don't necessarily know that I would look to especially if you're looking to possibly move out of that particular home in three, five, or even seven years, right? You want to be able to analyze all of your options before I'm just going to get rid of my home. doesn't mean that if you can't 
afford a a 15 year mortgage that you don't do that instead of a 30. Mm-hmm. So there's different there's different ways to look at it. Your question there kind of leads to additional questions that you need to get answers before you can come back and completely answer that one. That is uh, often the uh, situation is <laughs> you need to ask some more questions before you get to those final answers. And that's okay. It's all part of that information gathering process. And that's good to remember. All right. Good question so far from Max and Carly. One more here from Sarah before we wrap up the podcast today, Matt. It's uh, Sarah's in New Jersey. Says, my husband and I are having spousal disagreements over how much money to leave our children. I think he's being too cold-hearted and skimpy, and I want to leave them as much as possible. Do you run into people having this kind of issue, and what can we do to reach an agreement? So here's the first question, Sarah, I would ask back, and that is, when the kids were younger and they wanted to go out on the weekend, but they hadn't did their chores, are they asking dad or you? Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds to me like you're wanting to give in. Listen, we hear this one all the time, and there's different ways to handle that. And usually that's the situation where, you know, the husband is looking to make sure that they don't run out of money and they don't become a burden on the kids. And the wife, I guess maybe it's the maternal instinct, is wanting them to continue to provide for the kids. So the agreement that really both of you need to sit down and come to terms with is not how much you want to leave them but potentially how much are you going to sacrifice to be able to leave them something? And with that, I mean that you want to have a detailed understanding on your distribution plan for retirement so that both of you can achieve what you're wanting to do. Your husband's not wanting to run out of money and you're wanting to leave something for your kids and grandkids. And so that's how you would come to an agreement is what are the sacrifices that you're willing to make? Does that make sense, Walter? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I I see. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Well, good, because this is very common. You know, heck, even with my wife and I, I'm sure if we sat down because my kids always ask her if they want a new outfit or something like that, they're not coming to me, you know, because if they haven't done their chores, my answer is no, you know, and maybe that's just the fatherly thing. But then the sacrifices are, okay, like we're in the stage of, you know, college and our youngest is getting ready for a car. Good golly in about four months. And, (laughs) you know, so let me tell you, but God love her, man. She loves to drive. She's that wants to drive all the time. And I love that because I hear so many parents talk about their kids aren't willing to get behind the wheel. What? That's That's crazy. That's probably scaring everybody that's hearing this right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I couldn't wait to get behind the wheel. Yeah, me neither. But I, I would say that you know, really look at, and Sarah, you, how much would you like to leave? Because when you say, I want to leave them as much as possible, you know, really put a number on that. Or maybe with your husband, you sit down and, okay, let's make sure at a minimum, what we're going to do for the kids is they're going to get the money efficiently in a tax efficient manner. We're going to make sure that what we're going to do during our retirement and our spend down years that whatever's left is going to go to them in an efficient way. So at least then, as much as possible, you're achieving your goal because you're going to mitigate tax obligation that your kids might have, right? So that is leaving them as much as possible, while your husband on the other end is wanting to make sure you don't run out of money, and he's able to accomplish that as well. The other thing that, quite frankly, could be a simple answer if it, if it fits into the budget, it's what's called a survivorship life insurance policy. 
And that's really a policy that, you know, you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck and it pays out when both of you are gone. You just have to be willing to pay that premium for an extended period of time during retirement when there's no earning years. But on return on investment, that could be the best way to have that accomplished. But that means your other assets now are going to have to be able to absorb that additional cost in retirement. So I don't know if you've got any suggestions there, Walter. I kind of went all over the game there, but I think there's just so much more to dive into to help come to an agreement. And I usually joke with people like I, I do financial planning, but marriage counseling is six ninety five an hour. <laughs> and this is just a fifteen to twenty minute podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. I guess these would be my thoughts. And this is from a non financial planner, but with somebody who talks to a lot of financial planners and that kind of thing. You know, I kind of dive in a little bit to the question here, and that is maybe your husband's motivation isn't because he's being cold-hearted and skimpy, but maybe he just wants to make sure that you guys are taken care of first so you don't have to be a burden on your children. If that means they end up getting less after you pass away, then so be it. At least they didn't have to take care of you or um, you know, you were able to maintain your financial independence throughout your lifetime. Because to me, it seems like that would be, if I were in a situation like this, that would be my number one goal. Then it would be to actually then leave money behind. But I'd want to make sure that we can kind of pay for ourselves in retirement so that we're not a burden on others during our later retirement years. And so he want to make sure, may want to make sure that those things are taken care of first before you start thinking about what to leave behind. And so that may be what seems cold-hearted about it. Now, I'm, I'm assuming maybe he is just a cold-hearted jerk. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to see the positive side of where his angle might be something along those lines, Sarah. So that would be – that's where my, my mind kind of goes to is that it's not necessarily a bad thing that he's not, you know, jumping and bending over backwards – to fund your kids' futures, he wants to make sure that you guys are taken care of through your retirement years. And I think there's something that's actually pretty, you know, still noble and important about that. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, the one thing I just thought about, Sarah, is I'm really encouraged in the fact that you're involved with this. Because so many times, whether it's the husband or wife, is it's only one spouse that's really, quote, responsible for the finances and the investment decisions. But it sounds like if you are having this disagreement, that you both are going through the process of making these decisions together, which I think in and of itself is just awesome. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of people do go too far in the other direction as well, Matt. And that's that's just furthering the, the point from a moment ago. They will try to leave way too much for the kids, and then they don't end up having enough to take care of themselves in retirement. And so you don't want to be too far in that other direction as well. It's all about finding yep. the right balance and uh, making sure it fits into your situation. That's always the ultimate message here on Smart Money Questions, finding the right balance for your situation. And it's uh, always worth having a conversation with Matt. If it's not something you've drilled down before, if you still have some questions and problems like this, things floating around, and you're whether you're in Westchester or Newark, Delaware, or anywhere in between and close enough to come into the office to have a conversation with Matt, or if you're you know, somewhere else in the country and you want to just have that conversation by phone or, you know, Skype meeting, we can use the power of technology today to have a conversation with you. You can do that with Matt by dialing 610-719-3003 or just through the website smartmoneyquestions.com. There's resources and ways to get in touch through the site as well, smartmoneyquestions.com. 
the place to go there. Matt, thanks for answering the questions this week. We appreciate it. And uh, good luck with the piggy bank campaign. Looking forward to hearing more about that. And after you do your next route, you'll have to share if you have a, a good story or a good nugget or two with us. Uh, you know, let, let us know some of the people that you interact with, and uh, especially if, if your we'll clients get a sure. kick out of it, too. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for this week's edition of the Smart Money Questions podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.